0: Hello, and welcome to episode 104 of the Waters Wavelength podcast. I'm Anthony Malikian, U.S. Editor of Waters, and I'm joined by James Rundle, the news editor of Waters. What's your name, James?
1: Uh, I can hear phones outside, so I was just moving the box to try and block the microphone. Ah, Um, okay. Cool. It's like that
0: ambient noise. It makes it seem like we're in a bustling uh, newsroom, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of locked in this small little conference room. That's where the magic happens Exactly. So, today... We will be discussing um, James's artificial intelligence uh, feature that just went up today, Friday, the thirteenth, twelfth. What is it? Twelfth. 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 Almost works Yeah. Yes. And uh, we will also be quickly discussing the SSNC uh, acquisition, now full acquisition of DST. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to any of that, a uh, couple more weeks for you to submit your nominations for the Women in Data and Technology. Uh, warts um, again we will link to it uh, but you yeah, have about two weeks for that before uh, we will close off the entries for that yep. might have been drinking a little bit last night so I'm a little bit slow right now getting <laughs> through everything. Um, we are also hiring two uh, reporter positions for the waters technology water side of waters technology. Um, in the UK, if you know anybody qualified, anybody that wants to waste their life and become a reporter,
1: or if you want to make the transition from a well-paid job in, uh, in financial technology to a particularly, you know, doesn't one in general. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you know, it feel free. Yeah, you get to work I mean, with us. At least so, you get to leave you know. the
0: office at two thirty to go watch some soccer. <laughs> um, <laughs> that never happens. It's never, just, all never awesome. happens. We are, we are attending a conference, that's what we're doing. That's right. Um, <laughs> Blue and <line> then <laughs> we're hiring one reporter for the data side of our publication uh, here in New York. So again... And in London as well, actually. And that's in true. London as well. Yeah, 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 that's your complaint. So yeah, we have some openings here. Um, you get to work with us and uh, it's, it'll be a waste of your time, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fun. Good midlife crisis. Change your best. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we got. Women in Data and Tech, get your nominations in. Um, and yeah, so let's get into it. Reviewing the AI Summer, oh, that's what the headline was online, and the yeah. magazine online, it's artificial intelligence from winter to spring. A particularly good image actually, which yeah. is much,
1: you know, we didn't pick the uh, print headline because that's not what we do. Yeah. Um, so sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell no, us about the story. This is cool. So this story built off, um, a report that the Financial Stability Board Released, I think it was on November the first. Um, just talking about some of these systemic risks that are associated with a headlong rush towards implementing artificial intelligence. Um, it was all very theoretical, but it raised some interesting points, um, particularly around kind of when you're implementing this kind of technology. It's very, very complex, very difficult to understand. Um, often the people who are specialists in it don't really understand the conclusions it reaches either. So, if you're putting this into live market situations, what kind of risk does it introduce? And and really. Um, do we have a handle on it to implement it safely? And and you know, interestingly, through the course of reporting, the longer story on this, we did a new story at the time, but this is a kind of the extended feature. Um, a lot of guys we spoke to who are all very smart, all PhDs, specialists in this field, um, actually just went, no, we're not actually got a handle on this, and it's not probably that safe, um, which was a bit stark and a bit sort of terrifying at first. Um, and there were some really interesting points raised, really, just um, not only about the inscrutability of the, the machine learning algorithms uh, and the way they might interact with each other in stress market conditions, but also talking a little bit about um, how a lot of these places are using common tools with each other. Uh, so you have some sure. scikit-learn, sort of you have Google's TensorFlow, um, which provide the base for a lot of guys who aren't necessarily full on data scientists, but have an understanding of mathematics exactly, and can yeah. make stuff on it. So you know these are the tools, go out and play problem is, if there is some kind of market disaster, like a financial crisis or a credit crunch or uh, some kind of crash, because these are all built off common um, schema and everything else, the question is, will they then act synchronously? Um, you know, a case of you know smart machines acting dumb, yeah. you know, in a way. Uh, and we spoke to a couple people, Elliot Noma from Garrett Asset Management has some good points to make on this. Um, a few other CTOs from banks we spoke to as well, a lot of whom didn't want to be quoted, but nonetheless uh, raise some interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that um, one of the interesting things uh, that Elliot said, um, so so this is him, this is Elliot speaking here, he says uh, that they're basically encouraging uh, analysts to gravitate toward a common set of models, so like your TensorFlows. Um, these models could act synchron- synchronously. Synchronously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once market conditions are outside, there's something my mouth. to <laughs>
1: shave my tongue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even if we do not get to the point of monopolies for AI providers, we may already be at the point of having de facto monopolies on the methods and approaches we use to create new models.
1: Yeah, smart man, it? Yeah. Uh...
0: Um, it really does create these interesting questions. So now the regulators you have like FSB trying to go at this but everybody the other regulator seems like people are like ah, we're not really sure yet we don't understand it and it does seem yeah. like they they don't have the manpower right now with all these global regulations going through and everything like that doesn't seem like this is something they necessarily have the manpower to start hand on they, they cuz you talk about these black box models that you know some people are starting to be you know uh, concerned about mm-hmm. But nothing's really, there's no real form or anything like that. Well, I that. thought this,
1: this is the interesting point, and this is why I wanted to take it forward into a feature rather than just leaving it as a news story. was, you know, the FSB has its perspective. The FSB's job is to monitor things from a systemic point of view, but I wanted to know kind of what the regulators actually on the ground thought yeah. about it. Uh, so um, I and, and and you and Agalos and everyone else contribute to the article. Went out to a bunch of people. Um, Stephen Mayor. And also, actually, sorry, just to wind back a little bit. When I was reading the FSB paper, uh, I was struck with how similar the language was and the way they were phrasing the risks um, to when I was reading about algorithmic trading a few years ago, when they were talking about how, oh, you know, algorithms are now controlling the market and what happens if they have herd behavior or how they going to interact with each other and will they bring things down and, mm-hmm. you know, will they glitch and that kind of thing. And it was almost exactly the same kind of arguments being replayed again. Um, so, and in fact, actually, when we spoke to Stephen Mayall from ESMA, he pretty much pointed that and said, "Oh yeah, we've done this before. You know, yeah. with the algorithmic stuff. So if we need to intervene, we'll intervene." But um, it was interesting to hear from the FCA actually, who were just saying, "You know, if we try and delve too far into this, at which point are we doing our responsible job as regulators, and at what point are we um, actually inhibiting the development of technology?" Yeah, I personally don't think that's a sensible approach to take. I think people have been a bit burned by. Regulatory attempts to delve too far into this before so the SEC took a lot of flack for its source code provision mm-hmm. uh, Which was in was that in Reg SCI or was it? In, uh, uh, Reg, uh, yeah. uh, no no Reg AT. Reg AT, sorry um, And also ESMA took a lot of flack as well for It's automated trading provisions in MiFID 2 and there's been a big cat fight about simulations and all the rest of it like that as well So I suspect it's a case of regulators going hmm We've been down this road before like to what point do we want to start regulating? processes rather than, and tools rather than activities. You yeah. know, what's actually our goal here? To be, But then again, as the market becomes technology, which we hear at every conference, day in, day out, yeah. banks Just uh, ask guys at risk now. Just ask guys at risk <laughs> <or> now. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone says the market is now technology. Banks are now technology firms. So, you know, at what point is it indistinguishable or should it be a case the regulators should take off?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're always, you know, because you're a bleeding heart lefty, you know, and mm. I'm more on the, you know. Hate all people conservative, I guess, but you pick up your shotgun. I don't believe I, the regulators are not equipped right now to handle AI machine learning. Not know, man.
1: I mean, you know, look at the SEC and, and the dozens of data scientists they've hired, especially
0: in OC, Um They're getting better. It's, it's going to require a lot more investment, and you know, I, I they will always be playing catch up on this, yeah. and they don't have. It, it, will, it will require more money being fed into them. Maybe that creates where the industry has to almost create a fund to be able to hire some talented people. But also, if you are an elite data scientist, if you are the best of the best when it comes to this, you're going to go work for a regulator? Yeah, you're going go to go work no for a chance. bank that's going to give there's you a totally multi million no
1: chance. For sure. And, and look, I mean, this is the problem, right? I mean, regulators just can't keep up with it. And I wrote a column about this. Um, Earlier this month, uh, just talking about how the regulatory sort of process isn't set up to deal with this kind of situation. We have emerging technologies that usually take a long time to be accepted because we have this this common saying in the financial industry that you know things take time and it moves glacially. Actually, it doesn't. Like you know, technology when it has a proven use case goes pretty quickly into yeah. development. We've seen this already. AI isn't just theory; it's being used oh, yeah. in uh, surveillance, being used at risk management for quality risk measures. It's being used on a post-trade basis in settlement and clearing and reconciliation and reporting. Um, So that begs the question Then maybe, I don't know, like, the FSB paper, I think, was concerned more with what happens when AI and machine learning and everything else gets into the mechanical process of trading itself. So you have algorithms creating algorithms to trade and get around stuff, execute orders, and that kind of thing, not necessarily the middle and back office processes that it's being used in now. And I personally don't see a future where in the near term where AIs will start trading on their own continents, right? You know, I mean, everyone always says that the fusion of human and machine is better. And you have AI trading assistants, but maybe not you know, yeah. AI traders. Um, but, I mean, you know, in 10 years' time, maybe, you know, 15 years' time. And if that's going to happen, is it then beholden to the industry to recognize that, okay, look, we all have an interest in stable markets. We all have an interest in safe markets. As much as you might not like the regulators and you might not like regulation, they are a part of the keeping that there. So if they are not able to keep up with this, should we be doing it? This is the thing.
0: I think that right now the conversation should be more around the theoretical, um, identifying possible areas where this could come from. So take for example, um, in New York City, they started using um, these algorithms um, to decide what the hell was it? I gotta find the article right, about, was, about seems loans, seems like credit loans applications and stuff, credit well, applications, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was but it was on a city level, not like a bank level. Mm. But then they found, um, and it had something else to do with public schools, too. I can't remember. I'll have to go look this up. But what they found was that these algorithms are inadvertently racist. Yeah. You know, um, that that if you're white male, you're going to have a better chance of being accepted than if you are a black man. Because this stuff's pretty funny. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so what are those kind of instances that can be created in trading and finance and understanding i think first where can things go wrong before they start legislating what we are worried about because i think that the worst thing that can happen is them over legislating something they don't fully understand and for something that hasn't happened yet for something bad that hasn't happened yet i think that 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 does always concern whenever i start hearing regulars talk about it's like when al franken before you know he stepped down he started talking about, uh, you know, we need to start legislating, overlooking Facebooks and Googles and Twitter, all these social sites and all these places people get information because they're disseminating false information. So, listen, just a public company is all it is. You, I don't want my regulators starting to knock on their door saying, you're. Uh, I don't agree with what you're doing here.
1: You say that, but then again, coming back to the algorithmic training argument, everyone said the same argument. Was saying you don't need to regulate like this. You're talking about... Things that can never happen. We test our algos, we rigorously test them, we simulate them, and everything. There's no way mm-hmm. that a big company will be taken down. My capital
0: happens, you know, that's the but thing. you see, so, and to me, though, that's just my capital screwed up. Mm. They lo- they ended up it, it cost them severely, it cost a lot of people, exactly. Yeah. There are the market in that case kind of worked, and then we. And you do learn from once something bad happens. Now there are circuit breakers, you know, that are in place and that brought that about. And better kill switches, better kill switches yeah. yeah. These are good things, but put in previously wouldn't have made sense, I don't think. Yes, sometimes you have to break some eggs to make an omelet, you this know? This is true. Yeah, and you're right. You know, you, you, you can't legislate for the. Uh the what if scenario, you have to legislate for the what is but scenario. See, yeah, exactly. It's there are gonna be crashes, there are gonna be recessions, there's gonna be bad things that are gonna happen in the market. That's just the yeah. way the market's supposed to work. It's not always supposed to be I mean, right now we're in this rational exuberance where the market just keeps on skyrocketing up and you know, <laughs> at some point there's gotta be a come up then. Exactly, but what yeah. will cause it, who knows? And then we'll have, you know, our Dodd-Frank Part 2 come out, you know, yeah. or Mifid 3 come out stuff like that. And you're
1: right. I mean, there are probably bigger systemic concerns we be worried about the things like clearing houses and, you know, directions yeah. markets and AI going around. Yeah, the Bitcoin stuff. Sort
0: of, when the regulators are just kind of being like, eh, what the hell can we do? And they're just kind of throwing their hands up. That, that does concern me a little concerning. bit here. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, and also, I think, uh, towards the end of the article, um, tying into this point that we're talking about now, actually, I spoke to Brian Martin from Sapient Razorfish and he said, uh, you know, You have to understand you're dealing with very smart people here um, who aren't necessarily cut from the same cloth as, you know, this isn't the front office alpha generating trader who's developing this. This is a data scientist who is used to working within a scientific community with um, safeguards, you know, the scientific process and everything else as well. And he said people already recognize these problems and there's already sort of. Becoming a, a, a kind of like an unofficial scheme of behavior on how to use, well, it. even in the
0: AI community, right? That they are now starting to. You have guys like Elon Musk, stuff like that. They're talking about responsible build, you know, responsibly building AI, machine learning, and that there are these kind of communities that are coming together mm-hmm. in the general field overall to try and make sure that we. In a responsible way build out these kind of tools and don't just unleash them on the world and then have some horrific negative consequences that develop from it so that is already happening and that makes sense for it to happen because you know finance will always be ke- playing catch-up to the world at large you know um when it comes to ai and machine learning and these kind of sure. techniques right yeah. so again i think that the regulators and i and i agree with the point of the article i mean if if, in a perfect world, you would actually have top-notch, you know, people fully understand machine learning and AI working mm-hmm. at the regulator, at the CFTC, SEC, whatever have you, that's just not going to happen. So okay. I think that being cautious toward anything, any kind of rules, you know, you don't want to stunt innovation for no unnecessary reason. No,
1: and uh, yeah, it's not like you can second Morgan Stanley's quant unit to have plan, so it's, uh, yeah. it's, no, it's, it's it's a good word. Mm. I like it. Mm. Doesn't look very good in print though. It's always mm. better spoken. Mm. So, yeah. it sounds
0: it's good. Right. off of a British tongue, I don't think I could say it correctly. No, I read something like <laughs> an, an idiot. Well, I sound like an idiot well, anyway. More of an idiot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, James's story online, uh, artificial intelligence from winter to spring. Oh, why what, what is the AI winter for those <laughs> who don't understand? Oh yeah winter, equipment. yeah. So um,
1: uh, one of the key points about AI um, is that none of this is actually particularly new. Um, a lot of the theory for this was developed, you know, in the last of 20, 30 years. It's just the fact that technology wasn't at a point of development where they could actually be utilised. But since the information age, you know, we've had a massive increase in compute power, in the power of com- processors and everything else to do it, and also data is coming in. So during the 60s and 70s, um, governments invested quite heavily in... The promise of artificial intelligence, but obviously machines weren't at a stage where they could realize that. So governments then pulled back from investing in it, which is a period known as the AI winter, until around sort of the early nineties um, when people started putting money back into it. So this is more of a kind of spring for you yeah. know. Yeah.
0: And there have been advancements in the ability to store data, process it. Yeah. You know the the power. That deep was and deep learning comes yeah. from
1: computing that kind of thing as well. So you know. Um, but yeah, the theory as itself hasn't really changed. The science hasn't changed that much yep. over no. the last few decades. But now we can actually use it. So this is the thing.
0: Um, so yeah, check out the story; um, it's really good. And um, so then the other big news thing from this week um, was SSNC uh, yep. continu- continuing their global domination of uh, buying dead, up. It Doesn't stop,
1: does it? I mean, really? it's incredible. Over forty-five
0: acquisitions they've done since they that
1: oh, company. That's a lot of companies that have been bought. Incredible. Um so we first <laughs> we first noticed that something was up with uh, DST and SSNC and we were looking at the analytics for our website and we were just like Why the hell have we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hits on this like news story from twenty fourteen, which was uh SSNC buying DST global solutions. Yeah. And um we just like but all of these guys are from DST, so what's going on here? Are they being sold? And then we of course it was a story that was four years old, so we forgot that there was another part of D S T that, you know, hadn't yeah. been bought as well. And we're like, Oh yeah, shit, okay, they bought that. <laughs> um, quite phenomenal, really, just I mean, the level of work that goes in in any company for making a big acquisition and integrating it, um, it generally lasts for years. It's not always successful as well. But SSNC seems to have this machine that just kind of keeps buying these big scale acquisitions. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Two point six billion dollars the acquisition of uh, advent software. Yes. Yeah. Now you talk to people like Rob Royley, and and, that's a, and you'd never know that they weren't always part of SS&C. It's, it's quite phenomenal what Bill Stone's done, actually, with that company. Um, biggest fund administrator in the world now. Uh, on the technology side, one of the biggest um, providers of buy technology. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe only rivaled by people like Charles River and, and maybe yeah. of, you know, some of the big I mean,
0: the acquisition of Advent was really huge for them. Oh, it was huge. And, and, to, you know, the, and, and also, buy-side. just the amount of
1: money they put into it. They spend, uh, when I was at SS&C delivering... Uh, in Chicago last September, they were saying they put 150 million dollars a year into R and D on their platforms. And yeah. You know, I sat down with Bill Stone, and he said, "You know, we, since 2011, we put some like six billion dollars into our platforms. It's just no one ever comes close to that." But it's truly a giant firm. Um, I mean, I don't really have an opinion either way on on their technology, but you know, you've got to respect the ability to just keep doing this year after year. Like last year, they made two acquisitions. The year before, they made three or four. The year before that, they made four or five. You know, it just keeps on going. So.
0: It'll be interesting to see because. You know, two years ago there was a ton of acquisitions. Last year it was pretty fair, you know, acquisition market. I'll be interested to see what this year because we are kind of reaching the point of. I mean, how many more big acquisitions can there be? I mean, we really have consolidated a lot in this industry over the last few years. Yeah. Um, so, I'll be interested to see what two thousand eight holds from an M and A perspective. You know, do we have yeah. any more blockbusters this year, or will it be a little bit more all right? we're going to kind of calm down on this, it'll be more about partnerships and stuff like that. Well,
1: in my crystal ball, there's a lot more fintech acquisitions. There's a lot more companies reach maturity um, and maybe some consolidation among service providers. Everyone's shifted to this managed service model uh, yeah. and now everyone's doing it, so there's a natural kind of like market for that to coalesce, but I think, but um, yeah, you're right, in terms of the big boys and the big chunky providers, like <laughs> not that many left, you know. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all either part of each other or parts of their parts are part of each other and yeah, it's yeah, very...
0: B and to see going forward. Again, you know, it's it's not really surprising. You know, I mean, they already had you know DSC, the yeah. global solutions. So now to get DSC systems makes, you
1: know, yeah, it allows them to expand into healthcare and stuff as well, which is you know is a, a vertical that financial services companies increasingly are going into. Yeah. Um, so yeah, see where they go next and who they buy next. I think will be uh, interesting. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. Um, so that's all we have for today. Uh, we got to kick off to go to another meeting. But um, if you have any thoughts on SSNC and DST, mm-hmm. uh, please let us know. Um, and is there anything else going on in the industry?
1: Uh, a couple of stories we're working on. Um, our reporter Mia David is working on something through the cap this week. So, if you have any inside knowledge about just what the hell's going on with the cap, please do get in touch. You know, we're happy to, to chat to you. I'm doing something on Mafea um, reporting and what's going on there, and maybe some perhaps problems that are happening with the volume of data. So if you have any information, again, please do get in
0: touch. Mm -hmm. Well, again, get your entries in for Women in Data and Technology Awards. Uh, It's going to close in about two weeks, I think. Um, But until next next week, we'll have a special guest. Yes. Uh, Should have a special guest, assuming nothing falls through. Mm -hmm. Um, A familiar voice for many of you, if you listen to the podcast regularly. Um, so tune in next week, um, but until then, have a good weekend, and happy Martin Luther King Day. Bye, everyone.